I think people are, yeah, I'm good and loud this morning. People are trickling in. I want to welcome you to Park Alliance Church. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to bless our time together, bless his service. Uh, pray that his name would be lifted up and he'd be brought the glory that he deserves. So we'll pray and then we'll stand and um, worship together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. God, we pray that today we'll just lift up your name. God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to sing, to lift up our voices to you, to hear your word, to fellowship with each other. We pray that you'd be pleased by all that takes place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together. Good morning, everyone. Let's sing loud. Let's praise God.
so much. You may be seated. Thanks, Mike, for leading us in worship this morning. He's filling in while uh, Tim and Elaine are out of town this week. We thank you guys um, for that. You should have got a handout as you came in. Um, we're thankful that you were here this morning worshiping with us. Um, there's some announcements in there. As you can tell, there's not a whole lot going on um, in the month of July. People are in and out with vacation. But there is one thing coming up. In about nine days, the teenagers will be going to Life Conference in Orlando. We're really excited about that. It seems just a little bit ago we were still raising money um, for that. And so, again, thanks to you guys who gave. Um, you guys gave where all the kids are going to be paid for to go to life, and there's even some left over to start on whatever comes next year. So we are thankful for that and for you guys that gave um, to that. So that is July the 9th to the 13th. Parents, if your teenager is going to life conference, um, next Sunday after service you'll have a brief meeting. Um, Pastor Logan will talk to you guys about that. And then next Sunday, we ask you to make sure you're here for next Sunday, um, teenagers, so we can pray for you in the service. Ask God to bless your week um, with that. And so you can see some of the rest of the things that are coming up, um, especially in August. We pick back up on normal schedule with a lot of different things um, that are going on. There is one other announcement that um, my wife and I would love to tell you guys, is that we are expecting our third child in February. Wow. So I know that my wife hates that she can't be here. She's not here right now because she's not feeling well, and then Autumn's going to the doctor here at 1130, um, so she's not here with you guys. But I know we're excited about that. Um, we're excited about all that God's doing in this church with lots of babies coming. That's really, really a good thing, and we're excited about that. So we wanted to pass that message along um, to you guys. You're our family. We want to tell you guys first. I'm going to let you know about the good news that's happening in our life. Right? We're asking our ushers that they'd come forward. We're going to continue to worship God as we take up our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you for how you bless us. We thank you for how you give um, to us. We thank you for all the good things that are taking place. We thank you for life. And we know that every life is valuable and we celebrate that. And every life should be celebrated and rejoiced. Um, and God, we thank you for, for all that you're doing. We thank you for how you bless us and how you give and how you provide um, for us. We just ask that we would, as your church, this church belongs to you. We are your body. That we'd be good stewards of what the people give. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
morning. Our scripture reading is from Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Be associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave in the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to take time this morning, and we're going to pray. And I want you guys to um, just spend time in prayer. Maybe you need to pray with someone around you. Maybe you need to pray for someone. But there are definitely needs that, that need to be prayed for. I know for myself, if you could pray for my family, we're supposed to be leaving this afternoon to go um, out of town for a couple of days for the 4th, and we'll see how the doctor's appointment at 1130 goes with that to determine that. But also those who are um, having children, pray for, pray for them in, in their pregnancies um, with that. But as well, if we continue to pray for Aiden um, with leukemia, we can pray for, for him. Stephanie, do you have any uh, update for us? Yeah, I appreciate that, putting you on the spot with it. That was good. Um, you guys have prayed, and see what's happened because you pray. Um, we believe in the power of prayer, so let's keep praying for Aiden, um, his, his family. Um, just lift them up and ask God to continue to, to bless them and to heal Aiden, ultimately, is what we're praying for God to do. So if you want to pray where you are, you want to come forward and pray, maybe you need someone to pray with you, um, you can let us know. We'll do that. But let's just take this moment um, and just have an attitude of prayer and just pray and lift up our request to God right now.
Jesus, we thank you for the power that is in prayer. Jesus, thank you that you are working. Thank you that you are moving. Thank you that you are a healer, and we trust in that. God, we know that you can do amazing things because we've seen you do amazing things. We can make a lengthy list of all the awesome stuff that you've done. And God, we should, we should celebrate those. We should be thankful for those. We should tell other people about those things that have taken place. But God, we are praying for a big one now. We're praying for complete healing for Aiden. Um, this leukemia would be completely gone. Um, he would have to be able to stop all the things that go along with that as well. And he would just be able to get back to a life that he hasn't necessarily had so far. God, I just pray that you would just be with his family, be with his mom and dad. I know, I, I don't know, honestly. And I can't even begin to uh, try to explain the, the feelings that they have, but I know that you know. Um, and I know that you are there with them. And so I just pray that you'd comfort them. I know they have a lot of questions. Um, none of them are too big for you. And I know that you can answer all of those, but you'll do it in your timing. And so, God, I just pray for comfort for them through this entire process as they watch Aiden go through this. Lord, we just lift them up to you. Um, we thank you as well um, for life. We thank you for all the new life that's coming. We thank you most importantly for new life in you, Jesus. God, we just celebrate you, and we believe in the power that is in prayer. We believe in the importance of it and interceding for one another and lifting each other up in prayer. God, I know that there are different requests that are represented here today that, that may not necessarily have been mentioned. We didn't have time to mention those, so I pray that you would be with every one of those. You know exactly what needs to be done in those situations. So we lift them up to you, and we give them to you. Most importantly, we just thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you took our place, that you died on the cross, that you rose again three days later so that we can have eternal life, but that we can have life now. And so we can live our lives for you and that we would tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you, and we ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing a couple more songs of worship um, together.
that's why we're here today. We're here to worship you, uh, to lift up your name. I pray that you've been pleased by all that's taken place so far. And I pray that as we look into your word, you would remove distractions from us, that we'd be able to focus on what it is you're teaching us today. We give this time to you to speak to our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one um, in the chair in front of you or somewhere around you where you can use uh, one of those. And if you don't have an actual Bible, you can take one of those home with you as our gift to you. You're more than welcome to keep that Bible that's in um, the chair in front of you. Um, and I want to say, isn't it good to see Mike up here playing? Remember, we were praying for Mike with his shingles, and he wasn't able to do a whole lot, and now he's up here playing the guitar and leading us in worship. So with Mike, we're thankful for that. Most of all, thankful that God's done a miracle. He's done a work in Mike's life. And so we're continuing to pray that he continue to bring full healing. I know there's something he still is battling, so we thank God um, for that. So over the past few weeks, I've told you we, we've been talking about things in which God's been dealing with my heart about. We're in the summertime. It's, it's a little more difficult to have like a series or go through a book in the Bible just because people are out so, so much. And so I've really just been preaching about what God's been teaching me in my own life and what God's been showing me. Um, and so next week, um, Joe Jones is actually going to be uh, sharing with us. He'll be preaching next Sunday, right? And we're all excited about Joe. Joe shared last summer with us and preaching, did an awesome job. Um, and so he's going to share um, again next Sunday. And so we're excited about that. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, I, I recently, well, probably a year or so ago, I read a book called Expository Apologetics. The, the title just sounds absolutely boring, I know. But it's by a guy named Vadi Bachman, who I think is a really awesome speaker. And there was a chapter in this book that really just captured my attention and made me want to study the passage of 1 Peter chapter 3 um, even more. It's a passage that I've read many times before, and as we go over it, there's especially one verse in verse 15. For most of us, it's going to stand out, and you'll be like, man, I know that verse. I've heard that verse before. But I think to better understand that verse, just like I told you a few weeks ago, you have to read the verses around it. There's a real danger, remember, in just taking one verse and just trying to memorize that and not fully understanding the context in which the author is writing it. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is revealing it to these guys to write these things down. So verse 15 is a really awesome verse and a really awesome chapter. And so I want us to better understand all of that. But if you remember a few weeks ago, we were in 1 Peter chapter 5. We talked about verses 6 to 8, cast your anxieties upon God. And I gave you a little bit of context of who Peter is writing this letter to. He's writing it to a group of people who were exiled because of their faith. That Nero, basically, remember, had just burned the whole city down, and people realized, like, they don't like their stuff being burned, and Nero realized that, so he's like, I'll blame it on the Christians. And so as he blames it on the Christians, the Christians have to flee because of persecution, and they're now in exile. And so Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter is now writing this letter to these people. First Peter is a really awesome book because of who he's writing it to, but also I think the things that Peter is telling the audience that he has here. If you read chapter 1, Peter's focus is talking about holiness, that he's encouraging them above all things, that even though you're in exile, you're running for your lives, basically, you still have a call to holiness. You have a call to look more like Jesus each and every single day of your lives. That isn't dependent upon your circumstance. If things are good, you're still called to be holy to look more like Jesus. If things are bad and you're struggling, you're still called to look more like Jesus and, and to be holy. And even at times within our suffering, God uses those things in order to shape us and mold us 
into the image of himself, to make us look more like Jesus. And this is exactly what he's going to tell us, I think, today. In verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Apologetics is basically that. The meaning of is that you're ready to give a defense for the things in which you believe. Every one of us is called to be able to defend our faith. Every single one of us is called to be able to give an answer for the things in which we believe. If someone asks you about your faith, you should be able to tell them, here's what I believe. Here's why I believe it. Here's what God has done in my life. If you're not necessarily certain about certain scriptures, one of the best things you can do is tell people what God is actually doing in your life right now. And, and here's the thing that I think about, is that if I can't just rattle off to someone what God is currently doing in my life, then I need to ask the question of, why isn't God doing something in my life? More than likely, it's not because God isn't do, wanting to do something. It's probably because I'm not allowing God to do something in and through me. If we allow our lives to be used by God, to look more like God, God's going to show up and he's going to do an amazing work in our lives. But is it the moments where we talked about a couple weeks ago where we refuse to relinquish something over to God? We hold on to this part of our lives and say, God, this belongs to me. You can't have this. And then we ask ourselves the question, why isn't God working or why isn't God doing something? And he's probably going to go right back to that and go, you know that thing that you're holding on to that you just will not give to me? And I think for a lot of us, it is the idea of evangelism. It is the idea of sharing our faith with other people. How many of you, just by show of hands, you can be honest, that the idea of telling someone about Jesus terrifies you? All right, I knew I wouldn't get many hands, because it's, what, what happens is, is you don't want to raise your hand because someone beside you may look and go, you're scared to tell people about Jesus? Yeah, you better believe I am at times. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And so for a lot of us, who are the people that are hardest to share Jesus with? Family, Right. I know for myself, I always pray that you guys would ask this. When I go on vacation in the summer, I'm going to see a lot of family members who don't know Jesus. And those are the hardest people. If I go to the grocery store, if I'm eating at McDonald's, well, I shouldn't eat at McDonald's, right? But if I happen to just venture by McDonald's, right, not even go in the place, if I go into McDonald's and I eat lunch, it's much easier for me to share with a stranger than it is with someone who's in my family. A lot of it is because like, no one wants their family to dislike them or their family to disown them. And if you do, then I'll pray for you if you just really want your family to dislike you. Most people don't. And I know for myself, I'm going to see people this week that need Jesus. And quite honestly, I can tell you, as your pastor, it terrifies me. Because I know what they believe. They know what I believe. I've had many conversations with them about what I believe. They've asked me about all kinds of stuff, and it's difficult. One of the hardest conversations that I've had with people about my faith and what I believe is that when they ask me to perform their ceremony, and then you get to asking them questions. And one's like, yeah, I'm a believer, and the other one's like, well, I'm not a believer. And these are family members asking me these things. I'm like, listen, I can't do it. That's tough. When you have to be open about your faith with people, but you know me being honest about what I believe and giving a defense for what I believe is going to hurt the people that are closest to you, your family members. Because you have to stick to what the Bible says about these things, like we talked about last week. Certain topics or issues that arise, we have to stay true 
to the Bible. When it comes to sharing our faith with people, it can be tough. But I think one of the first things that we need to do is we need to be able to be honest and say, listen, it does terrify me. It makes me a little scared. And I think when we admit that, the Holy Spirit can now use it and go, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to empower you to do this, right? He told the apostles in Acts chapter 1 that they would have power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But we have to realize that as believers, and I have to realize as a believer, is that I have power. I've been given the capability through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me to do the very things in which God has called me to do. And he's called me to give a defense for the things in which I believe. But I think for us to better understand that, we have to understand, again, the context around it. But I think it starts in chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 of 1 Peter. It says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter wants us to understand what we believe. He wants us to understand our faith. But I think he also wants us to understand who we are in Jesus. Right? So this idea of what's taken place in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, really starts in chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. When Peter begins to tell these people, here's who you are in Jesus. And I think the, the good thing about this is when we understand who we are in Jesus, we don't have to be afraid to talk about Jesus. Look at the words that he uses there. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. That's you. He's talking about us, the church. That Jesus now claims you as his child. And when we think about that, when we think about who we are in Jesus and what is now ours in Jesus, I have absolutely nothing to be afraid of. I can now share my faith with boldness and courage because I realize I am a child of the king and I belong to Jesus. But he says you have to realize who you are in Jesus before you're going to realize what you've been called to do in Jesus, which is to share your faith with people. He says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possessions. For what purpose? He says this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. You are those things because he now wants you to use you to do these things. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are these things so that you can now do this. You have been called to proclaim the excellencies of him. You have been called to take the light into the darkness. You've been called to take the gospel into this community, into your workplace, into your school, into your families, into your friends. You've been called to take the gospel to all of those places, and you get to go with that assurance that I am a child of the king and that I belong to him. Here's who Jesus says I am, and I have nothing to be afraid of when it comes to sharing Jesus with other people. Because of who I am in Jesus, I can do the things in which God has called me to do in Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, he, he says this, Finally, all of you, if you notice, this is what I titled the message today, All of You, because this applies to all of us. You ever read a passage of Scripture and thought, this doesn't have anything to do with me? This has to do with you. Every single person sitting here listening right now, this has to do with you. So don't try to tune me out and be like, I'm not called, or I don't have the gift of evangelism, I'm not called to reach out to people. You are. Right? And if that's you, you're the exact person that I probably want to listen a little bit closely. 
that's your attitude towards what's about to be said. All of us, this applies to every single person, finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 15 says make a defense. But Peter prefaces verse 15 with this, is that you are called to live a certain way before you give a defense of what you actually believe. I think verse 15 is a little easier to swallow because it's like, I make a defense, I can just memorize some scriptures, and I can quote these things to these people, and I can give a defense for what takes place. But before Peter gets to that, he's working under the assumption that you're going to be doing the things that he's telling us to do right here in verses 8 through 12. So for someone to ask me about my faith, what do they have to see in the first place? Jesus. So Peter's doing this. He's saying, if you'll live like this, if you'll have all of these things that I'm telling you to do, if you'll strive through the power of the Holy Spirit to display all of these things in your life, evangelism is going to happen because people are going to come and ask you about the hope in which you have. So we need to spend time making sure that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us to look more like Jesus so that when people do come and ask us about the faith in which we have and the hope in which we have, we're able to give them an answer because we're looking more like Christ every single day. All of you are called to live holy lives. All of you are called to look more like Jesus each and every single day of your life. Every single one of you. But every single one of you is also called to give a defense for the things in which you believe. We must look more like Jesus so we can better share Jesus with others. The more that I look like Jesus, the much better, the better off I'm going to be when it comes to evangelism, giving a defense, sharing Christ with those that are around me. I think what, what you would call these types of people that share Jesus with people but don't live out Jesus, what do you call those people? Hypocrites, right? How many of you like a hypocrite? You're like a good hypocrite, you know? Like in your family, your friends, you got one at work. You just like those people. They'll tell you to do one thing, and they don't do it themselves. I have family members, again, that I've talked to about Jesus, and this is their biggest hang-up when it comes to Christianity. It's Christians who want to tell them all about Jesus, but don't necessarily have a desire to live and look like Jesus in their own lives. One of the worst things you can do for the gospel, I think, is this. So go and tell people about Jesus, but then live however it is you want to live. If that's you, I think one of the best things you can do is probably not share Jesus with people. Because I think you are going to so turn people off from Jesus or Christianity at all because they don't see the things in which you are preaching to them. And so Peter says before anyone's ever going to ask you, they have to see something to ask about. They need to see Jesus within you. And he gives some specifics here. He says, you need to have unity of mind. You need to have unity of mind. Basically this, you need to be studying the scriptures. You need to know what God is saying about these things. And we need to have unity of mind within us as a church. We need to know what we believe, and we need to go out from this place knowing exactly what we believe 
and why we believe it, we need to be unified around those things. And the main thing to be unified around is Jesus and what he says. You need to have unity of mind, know God's word. He says you need to have sympathy. Some translations say compassion. You need to have sympathy towards people. You need to have compassion towards people. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 9, he looked out among the people and he had compassion, right? But didn't he do something about his compassion? It's very easy for us to look at the world around us and go, man, those people are lost. Those people need Jesus. That's not compassion, is it? Compassion looks at the world around us and go, man, people are lost. People are in need of Jesus. There's so much sin. There's so much darkness. God, how would you have me go and do something about it? How are you going to use me to influence the people around me? How are you going to use me to change my workplace, my school, my community around me? That's what compassion looks like. So he says, have unity of mind, have compassion, have brotherly love. The church is called to love each other. That's what that means. Is that we're supposed to love one another here within the church. Remember John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By the way we love one another, people will know whether or not we are followers of Christ. He says you're to be tenderhearted. The idea of being tenderhearted is one who would not willingly cause pain to people. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to do anything bad to people. Not only do I not want to hurt people, I'm eager to relieve their pain. That I look upon someone who is in distress, who has a need, and I look upon them and go, God, how would you have me to relieve their stress, to relieve their pain? How would you use me to reach out to them and to meet this need that they have, whether it's physical, financial, mental, whatever it is that's taking place, God, how would you use me? Remember, Matt, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Jesus was tenderhearted, which is why he calls us to be tenderhearted in ourselves. It also tells us to have a humble mind, which we spent a good bit of time on that a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend too much more time on that. But he also says this, bless those who do harm to you. Now, I, I think these are really awesome scriptures that are very applicable to all of us. But what's really caught my attention this week is remembering who Peter is writing this to. He's writing this letter to this group of people who are running for their lives, basically. And as they're running for their lives, the gospel is being spread, and more and more people are hearing about Jesus. And here's what Peter challenges these people to do. He doesn't tell them, hey, rise up, grab a sword, revolt. What are you telling them to do? I want you to be tender-hearted people. I want you to have a humble mind. I want you guys to be unified. I want you guys to love one another. I want you guys to stick together. If you display all of those things, then you're doing well. But he also says this, I want you to bless those who are doing harm to you. Now imagine you're in this group of people and you get this letter from Peter. And Peter tells you, here's what I want you to do. You know these people that are trying to take your life away? I want you to bless them. How many of you would have a difficult time with that? I'd have a difficult time. Peter, are you certain that God wants me to bless these people? You know, when they're saying bad things about me, you're telling me not to say anything else bad about them. When they're doing bad things to me, you're telling me not to do something bad back to them. Instead, what you're telling me to do by bless them is that Peter's telling them, I want you to find ways to serve these people. I want you to find ways to go out of your way to bless them and give to them and to pour out your life to them. 
That's the gospel. And our example of that is Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 21 through 24 of 1 Peter, it says, for, th- for to this you have been called, to this very thing you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself, entrusting himself to one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Peter says, here's why I'm telling you to do these things. To have this heart in you, to have this tender heart, to have this unity of mind, to have a humble mind. And why I'm telling you to serve the very people that are trying to take your life away. Because it's the exact same thing that Jesus did for you. This is what I've been called to. Part of looking more like Jesus means taking on the hard things about which Jesus endured. That part of looking more like Jesus may mean that I may have to suffer for his sake in order for the kingdom to be spread. Part part of looking more like Jesus may mean that he's going to call me to bless my worst possible enemy. Not only is he going to call me to bless him, he's going to call me to reach out to him and serve them and give something that's valuable to me to him. That's what it means to look more like Jesus. All of those things. I'm to display all of those things in my life. He goes on in 1 Peter 3, verse 13 through 17, tells us to be prepared to make a defense. He's tying it all together here. He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. What does he tell us? That guess what? If you do all of these things, Not everyone's going to agree with it, and it's going to rub people the wrong way. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled by this. Have courage. Have boldness because of who you are in Jesus. Verse 15, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think that's an important part that we don't have enough time to spend on the gentleness and respect part. Is it if if I'm displaying all of these things that he's called me to display in my life, if I have unity of mind, I have a humble mind, I'm tender-hearted, this gentleness and respect part is going to come naturally to us because of what the Holy Spirit's done in and through us. That I'm going to go and share Jesus with people with the idea of gentleness and respect. Now, have you ever listened to someone share the gospel with someone and it has not been in a gentle and respectful way? You can watch the face of the other person go, when he's done, I'm just going to tell him just to get out of here. No one wants someone shouting at him, right? No one wants someone just constantly telling them what they're doing wrong. The reason why I think people were so attracted to Jesus was because he came with love. He came with this tender heart. He approached it with gentleness and respect, and people responded. Verse 16 says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 
if you live the way that God has called you to live, Peter says, here's what's going to happen. I live and I look more like Jesus. People are going to be intrigued by it. They're going to see me suffer. They're going to see me have difficult times. And they're going to go, why in the world is that person so joyful? Why in the world can that person go through such trials and go through such tribulations and still have hope and still have a smile on their face? Why is that person going and spending their weekends serving people that they don't know? Why is that person going on trips to foreign countries? Why is that person taking their finances and why are they giving it to people that they've never even met before for things that they may never even actually get to go and participate in? Why are those people doing those things? I'm intrigued, I want to know. Peter says, as you do those things, as you live those things out in your life, as you look more like Jesus, people are going to come up and people are going to ask you. I read this and I think to myself, how often are people coming up and asking me about what I believe? I think that for myself, as I think about it, if people aren't coming up and asking me more often, then I need to really ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in my life. Is there something that I'm not living out that, that needs to be changed, that God wants to take and move in a different direction or allow me to look a different way so that more people will be intrigued by my life and I'll look more like Jesus. And so as I look more like Jesus, people will come up and go, what is it about you that's different? Can you tell me about it? That doesn't mean that they're going to agree with it. That doesn't mean that they're going to accept it. It just means that I'm looking more like Jesus and now I'm getting a chance to share Jesus with more people. That's really how this is supposed to look. Verse 15 is going to take place only if we allow the Holy Spirit to take verse 8 and 12, 8 through 12 and do a work in our lives. That if we are doing those things, if we are looking more like Christ, if we are displaying those attributes in our lives, people are going to be intrigued by it, and we're going to have to give a defense for the things in which we believe because we've looked more like Jesus, and now we get to tell more people about Jesus. Simply put, I know there was a, was a lot, and I know my mind was, there was a lot going on there. I, I want to, just three things, and this is in your handout for you. We need to know what we believe. You need to know what you believe. It doesn't matter what age you are in here right now, if you're in sixth grade on up, it doesn't matter. You need to know what you believe. Study the scriptures. Allow God to teach you exactly what it is you need to know. We need to be able to tell people how it has affected us. Not only do I need to know what I believe, I need to be able to tell people, here's how what I believe has actually changed my life, and here's the difference that it has made in my life. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do for anyone that you're sharing Jesus with is to tell them, here's what I believe, and here's the difference that it has made in my life. I don't think anyone's going to want anything to do with something that you just rattle off to them and it hasn't made a difference at all in your life. I think they want to know what you believe, but what has it done for you? How has it changed the way you live? And for many of you, you could just rattle off tons of things of how God has changed your heart. And for many of you, you, you look different today than you did a year ago, and that's awesome. I think that's what God wants for all of our lives. I, I pray that I'm not the same person in Jesus that I am this time last year. I pray that I'm more spiritually mature and I look more like Christ. And I think that's what he wants for all of us. And thirdly, our lives need to be a reflection of what we are preaching. The things that I'm telling people need to be the things that they see in my life. 
They need to see Jesus. I think that's really of the, of the last four weeks of the things that I've taught you guys. There's been a common theme that I think Jesus is teaching me that I'm trying to teach to you guys. Just look more like Jesus. That's my goal for you, and that's my aim for you. Isn't necessarily like get on the streets more and do this and go serve at this place more and, and go do this and go do that. Because I think if you're just doing those things, you're going to miss the most important thing, and that's Jesus. But my prayer for you and, and my aim and my goal for you is that if you'll begin to look more like Jesus, all the rest of those things are going to happen. The more that you look like Jesus, the more you're going to serve. The more that you look like Jesus, the more you're going to have compassion for lost people, and you're going to see the need, and you're going to go and share Jesus with people around you. The more that you look like Jesus, you're going to love each other here within this church better. This is going to be a place of love. The more that I look like Jesus, I'm going to be a better husband and a better father and a better pastor. The more that I look like Jesus. That's my aim. That's my goal. That's my prayer for you. So I want to pray for you now, and I want to ask God to do just that. Uh, allow God to work in your heart and in your life to make you look more like Jesus each and every single day. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your word. I thank you for what you've been teaching me, and I'm thankful for it. I pray that, that they've understood what's been presented this morning. Maybe there's a scripture that sticks out to them. But God, most importantly, I pray for every single person here that they look more like you, Jesus. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you, maybe today needs to be the day that they surrender their hearts and their lives to you and they confess that I want to be a follower of Christ. But if we are here, we've already made that decision, I pray that each and every single day we look more like you, Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for how you're working. God, that you are using this church to make an impact for your kingdom because this church belongs to you, and we've realized that. This doesn't belong to an individual or any, certainly a group of people. This place belongs to you. You are in charge. You are the head of this church. And we are here to serve and to worship you. God, thank you for all that you're doing. Would you continue to use us to look more like you, Jesus? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our musicians are going to come. They're going to sing a closing song of worship together. I have decided uh, to follow Jesus. So if you'll stand and, and sing this closing song of, of worship with us. I think it's a little more uh, upbeat than your normal way of singing I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, so get ready to sing. So we're going to have a little fun now. You ready? Ready? First, before we do, I want to uh, thank God for the blessing of being able to be up here today, and uh, I want to thank Jim and Logan very much for their help, so thank you, Lord. Turning back, no turning back. Oh, I may wonder. 
of the afternoon. Enjoy your week, the 4th of July, and enjoy your time together. Thank you. Thanks, guys.